for those of you that don't know me, my name is Daniel. Um, I am the intern here at STS. And um, before I get started, um, I want to tell y'all about the staff that y'all have. Um, this isn't my notes, I just thought about this on the way here. And um, y'all, they truly are like some of the most amazing people that I know at least. Um, and I have like 400 Facebook friends. And like, they really, really, really truly are. So like Ryan on down to, to me, like they're, they're, they're here because they love you. Um, they could be doing a lot of other things with their time, um, with their skills, but they're choosing to invest in y'all and that's, that's because they, they truly love you guys. So um, if possible, later today, thank them for what they do. Um, they would appreciate it. They don't do it to get thanks from y'all, but I know that it would mean a lot to them. So if y'all could do that, um, that'd be great. So before I start, I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll get going. Father God, thank you for this day. Uh, thank you for this opportunity that you've given me. Um, I pray that anything I say, Lord, that would be from you. And Father, anything of me, that it would be forgotten and thrown out. God, um, I thank you for everyone here. I know you have them here for a reason. And Father, let us, um, let us learn to love you more and trust you better. God, I love you. I pray this in your name. Amen. So, um, I grew up in church, and um, growing up in church world, I guess, you kind of see a couple things uh, constantly. So, um, I grew up down here too, so bless your heart was one of the things that I heard often, um, especially like VBS time, and all the parents are looking at the kids, oh, bless their heart, whatever. So, um, one thing that I heard constantly, and I saw constantly, was this one verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, and um, some of y'all know this, most of y'all probably know this. Um, but this is something I see all over the place, like on coffee mugs. I saw a girl yesterday at um, this 5K I was doing. She had a, a t-shirt with the verse on the back. Um, Instagram bios, I guess it's called. I was talking to Will about this, and that's, that's another place he said that he's seen it. Um, Instagram bios, so all over the place. You've, see this, you've seen this verse. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing that I'm not the only one who knows what this is, who's seen what this is. Um, Y'all probably have too. So um, we see it all over the place. Do, um, do we truly understand it? Do we truly like grasp, grasp its meaning? Um, there's a guy named A.W. Tozer, and uh, he says that what comes to mind when we think about God, what comes to our mind when we think about God, is the most important thing about us. And so I feel like it's very important in order to have a good understanding of who God is, what God is, to properly understand his word, properly understand the stuff that he's revealed to us. So that being said, um, let's, let's talk about Jeremiah 29, 11. So if you have it, could you turn uh, there with me? I'd appreciate that to kind of know where we're at. Um, so what, what is this? Um, can I stand down here? Is that cool? Cool. Yeah, so what is, what is this Jeremiah 29, 11 thing about? So basically, let's start at the beginning. Uh, Jeremiah 29, it is a letter written from Jeremiah to the people in captivity in Babylon. So how did they get there? I'm glad you asked, James. Um, that's a good question. So basically in 597 BC, so Mark was like four years old at this time. Um, <laughs> yeah, Nebuchadnezzar came in. He's the king of Babylon. <laughs> I love you, Mark. <laughs> Yeah, he remembers this well. I talked to him about this for the historical context. But basically, Nebuchadnezzar came in 
with his army, and he destroyed Jerusalem. He burned down the temple. He burned down the buildings, everything. It was in complete ruin. Um, and then when he left, when he went to go back to Babylon, uh, he took with him about 10,000 people. And these weren't just 10,000 random people. Oh, I like your hair. Um, y'all come with me. Or all, um, y'all, I, have, I like those sandals y'all got. Um, you come with me. No, so he took people that had skills, so professionals, craftsmen, anyone that could do something cool, basically. Um, the Babylonian economy at this time was kind of struggling, and um, he wanted people who um, had skills that could possibly help the Babylonian economy. So basically, all the people that were left were losers, for lack of a better term. Um, they had no skills. They were the poorest of the poor, and um, they were just left in Jerusalem to... Do whatever it is you do in Jerusalem, I guess. Um, let's see. Yeah, so Jeremiah is writing from Jerusalem. He was the people that apparently wasn't worthy enough to go back to Babylon. He's writing from Jerusalem to the people in Babylon, to the people in captivity. And um, I was thinking about what it would be like to be in captivity. I've never been there. I was in school, so that's, that's close enough. Yeah. But... <laughs> Yeah, that college life, y'all, it's, it's tough. Yeah, but um, other than that, I haven't, I haven't really experienced that. So I was thinking, like, what this would be like. So I was thinking, like, okay, so imagine that some foreign country comes in and takes me just out of my class. Oh, you're coming with me. It's like, oh, dang, um, that's how it is. So, um, and they're taking me to this place I don't know. So these people in exile... They were taken away from their homes. They're separated from their families, their homelands, their livelihoods. Everything that they knew about the land, about their culture, was completely different in Babylon. So just kind of keep that in mind when you're trying to put yourself in their shoes in order to understand this. Um, this place that they were at is completely foreign to them. Um, they probably have never been here, I'm assuming. Um, but let's, this is the people that Jeremiah is writing to. Um, they've lost hope. Um, they'd just been captured. So these hopeless people. So what, is, what does Jeremiah do to kind of encourage these people? What does he do to kind of uplift them and let them know that God hasn't forgotten them? So I'm going to look at verse 10. It says, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. Um, so what, is, what does that mean? Uh, God says that he will deliver them, which is great. Um, their prayers have been answered. God will come back and return them to Israel. But it will be after 70 years. That probably isn't the best thing to hear. Um, so more than likely, they would read this letter aloud. Um, someone got a letter from Jeremiah. Oh, hey, guys, I got a letter from Jeremiah. Come and listen to this. And um, he would be reading this. And, um, oh, yes, God's going God's gonna to come back for us. He hasn't forgotten us. But it'll be after 70 years. So everyone who heard this letter probably will be dead by the time that happens. So you'll be rescued, you'll get to go back home, but not really because you'll be dead. Um, kinda, kind of a downer. Um, so it doesn't stop there though, that's not the only verse in this text, which leads me to Jeremiah 29, 11, our favorite verse. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Um, so what is this? What is this saying here? He's saying that even though you may not like the message that I have for you, even though um, it seems difficult, even though you may be disappointed with what I just read to you, I've not forgotten you. 
God will never forget his people. Um, so I know a lot of times, uh, is that this point? Yes, yes, <laughs> my bad. So this isn't just an isolated theme that we see in Jeremiah. Um, it's repeated where someone godly, one of God's people, what is that? Okay, that's cool. Um, nice background music. But yeah, so God's people are never forgotten. So look at Moses um, and God's people in Egypt for 400 years. Um, that situation probably wasn't very good. Um, they probably thought God has forgotten us. It's been 250 years since um, we've been free and we'll just die here. And a lot of them did die in captivity in Egypt. That was 400 years. Um, but uh, who else? Who else? Joseph is another example. He was stoned in a ditch. He was in a dungeon. Um, his brothers tried to sell him, kill him, whatever it was. And he could have thought very, very, very easily that God has forgotten me. What am I doing worshiping this God thing? Because look where it's gotten me. In this ditch, in this dungeon. Um, but we see with both examples that God has not forgotten them. God does not forget them. He brought Israel back to its homeland. He brought Joseph out of that situation, and he put him in second, second in command of all of Egypt. Jesus, for example, he says, God, basically, why have you forgotten me? I'm here on this cross, dying, you have forgotten me. Um, Jesus is not forgotten. You can't, you can't forget your kid like that. It's not, not cool. Um, actually, okay, so funny story. This isn't in my notes. I just thought about this now. Um, my parents, or my mom at least, uh, she left me at a theme park when I was like five years old. No, it was at a grocery store, that's what it was. So we um, left Bush Gardens in Florida, went to Publix or whatever, and she went in to get stuff, and then I got bored waiting in the car, so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go find her. So I walk into the store, and um, I look around for however long that was. Then I come back out, I didn't find her in there. I come back out, and the car is gone. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, thanks, Mom. Uh, <laughs> she's not here, so I can tell this. But, um, so I was like, okay, what, what should I do? Should I just stay here and wait? No, four-year-old me decides to walk in the direction that I think the hotel is. So here I am, walking on the side of the highway, <laughs> this four-year-old, and then I see my mom, ooh, I see my mom's van pull up, and I was like, oh, hey, mom, and she says, Daniel, get in the car. Very nicely, <laughs> very nice, um, and her, her Jamaican came out, but, <laughs> that's funny, guys. Um, yeah, but, I was forgotten then, um, but this is not true with God. God will never forget his people, and we see that throughout Scripture time and time again. Um, these are examples of God taking a seemingly hopeless situation and turning it into something glorious, something amazing, something that um, glorifies him, which is what God tries to do. He glorifies himself. Um, so, let's see. Yes, so God tells them, that you're gonna be here for 70 years. What does he tell them to do during this 70 year time? Or is it just supposed to be uh, just sit and complain, um, talk to your friends about how terrible this is? Um, I don't know what else you would do for 70 years. But he tells them, don't waste your life during these 70 years. Don't waste your time here in Babylon. I have you here for a reason. Um, let's see. Yeah, so let's look at verse seven. He tells them what to do for the 70 years. It says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will have welfare. So the people in captivity in Babylon, in this place that they don't want to be, God tells them to seek the welfare of that city. Don't complain, 
Don't try to be a hindrance to that society. Be a blessing to the community where God has placed you. They are there for a reason. It says, I have sent you. I have sent you here for a reason. You're not there for no reason at all. It's not pointless. Um, So while you're there, obey me. Bless the community. Babylon should be better because of your presence there. Okay? Um, The community should be better because of your presence there. People there should know, should see a noticeable difference, a positive difference in their community because of you. They should see you guys and be, wow, what's different about them? I know that they don't belong here. I know that they're in captivity. Why do they have this attitude? Why do they love each other? Um, that's, that's what they were called to do while they're in Babylon. Um, he calls them to bless their community. Don't need that. Uh, so this is, that's great. Uh, that's great, Hamilton, right? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So like, what are these people that lived like 2,500 years ago have anything to do with us? What does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with Chris or Vic? Um, great question, Victor. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Okay, so as I was saying before, it is important to understand the text in order to have a proper proper view of God, and it is important to properly understand the text before we apply it to our lives, okay? So we don't take it out of context, and then, see, that's the point of this whole whole sermon thing, this whole talk. So um, I'm going to go through uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, kind of break it down a little bit, and then talk about some things there, and we will... We'll see what happens after that. So, if you would look at your Bibles, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. I'm going to stop there. Many times we feel like God has forgotten us. Um, I felt like that. Um, I had a friend uh, who died of cancer last May. And he was 11 years old. His name was Wendell. And um, I had been praying for this kid like, Lord, um, please heal him. Please, 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 please heal him. Um, maybe if I say please more, he'll do it. But like, this was, and he didn't. He died uh, May 21st, I believe. And um, it was like, wow, God, um, what happened? This isn't supposed to happen. Um, I prayed to you. Um, what's, what's the deal? And that was, that was a rough time for me personally, feeling like, God, why, why do I even bother praying? Like, is it, is it worth my time? Because obviously, it didn't accomplish anything. anything. Um, so, at that time, that was one of the times where I felt like God had just completely abandoned me. Oh, that Daniel kid, yeah, forget him. I have more, people, more important people to answer prayers to. Um, so, I'm, I'm sure you'll, you have felt something like this at some point in your life. If not, you probably will. It's sad, but it's true. Um, but the good news is that you shouldn't feel like this. Um, there's no reason to feel like this because we know that God will never leave you and he will not forsake you. He didn't leave his people 2,500 years ago. He will not leave you now. It's the same God, same God that didn't leave his people, same God that didn't forget Jesus, same God that didn't forget Joseph, same God that didn't forget the people in exile, same God that didn't forget his people in Israel when they are in Egypt. Um, that was good. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so same God. Um, He knows everything about you. He knows your struggles. He knows your desires. He knows your hopes and dreams, fears, everything. So he knows you so well, he will not forget about you. Despite what 
you feel, despite what your circumstances say, you can know, you can trust, you can believe that God will never leave you and he will not forsake you. Um, He says that I know the plans I have for you. You do not know them. I don't know the plans. God does. So I need to trust him with the plans that he has for my life. The next part. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. Um, this This is cool. God just doesn't simply know everything about us. Like, that's, that's cool, but he goes beyond that. There's something greater than that. Um, I have plans for welfare and not for evil. Um, he loves us more than you could ever imagine. He loves me more than I could ever imagine. And um, he has a good plan for you. He's a good God, and he has a good plan for you. That Tozer guy I was talking about earlier, um, he says that God's character drives his actions. So God is good, so everything he does is good. God is loving, so everything he does is loving. God is just, everything he does is just. Um, His character, all these various characteristics of God, drive his actions. So everything that God does, um, it it is from his perfect and holy character. So anything that God allows in your life comes from love. It comes from goodness. It comes from kindness. Um, comes from justice, whatever it is. Um, he, he loves you more than you can ever imagine. He sent, we just celebrated Easter. Um, I don't know if y'all are at the Good Friday thing, but they had like this crown of thorns and then nails and stuff and this whip thing. And you could like go up and touch it and hold it and feel it. And all the stuff that was used to torture and kill Jesus, it was, it was powerful for me at least. Like this crown, the thorns are free, they're huge. And then they would hit that on his head with a staff. They'd beat him. They'd punch him. they put these nails through his wrists. And he did that for you. Okay? So he doesn't just know you. He loves you immensely. Um, when I was in India, uh, that's the next point, actually. But um, basically, I feel like this is the part of the text that people misunderstand the most. Um, plans for welfare and not for evil, or whatever your translation says. This doesn't mean that your life will be easy, that you'll have um, a grade you want, car you want, shoes you want, um, whatever it is. God's plan for your life isn't to make your life easy. God's plan for your life is to make you more like Christ. Um, God is the ultimate good in the universe, and so the best thing that could ever happen to us is we become more like that ultimate good. Does that make sense? We become more like the ultimate good. That is the best thing that could happen to us. When I was in India, um, I would, we would go to these villages and I would tell people about Jesus, basically. And my bracelet broke, but um, it had a bunch of beads on it. And each bead represented something else. And at the end of that kind of presentation thing, I would ask them, if you would like to um, join the family of God, if you want to become part of God's family, would you raise your hand? But before I asked them to respond... Um, I would say, before you, before you commit your life to this, please know that being a Christian is not an easy thing. It doesn't promise that you will be wealthy. It doesn't promise that all your diseases will be healed. It doesn't promise that you'll have an easy life. But the promise of Christ, this is something I said every single time, the promise of Jesus Christ is worth more than anything that this world can offer you. Guys, this applies to us too. The promise of Jesus Christ, of a life um, devoted to him, of a life growing in him, is worth more than anything that the world can offer you. Popularity, money, fame, anything. It is worth more than the world can offer you. And um, I don't know, I just thought...
That was an important part because I didn't want them to misunderstand um, thinking that, oh, if I become a Christian, then I won't suffer anymore. That's not how it works. Um, the suffering won't be useless. You'll be suffering for Christ. It'll be part of your sanctification. You'll be, you will be built up to become more like Jesus. Um, so I just mentioned the future hope and uh, promise. Uh, says, back at the verse, my bad, uh, to give you a future and a hope. Um, the promise that I talked about in India, what was that? What is this promise? What is this future and what is this hope? The future and hope for them and for us is eternity with Christ. For the people in exile, it was going back to Babylon. Okay, we are not in exile in Babylon. We are here. So what is our future and hope? The future and hope is eternity with Christ forever in heaven with him. Um, so let's see, this, this, this hope, this future allows us to have hope now. Because of the hope that's in the future, we can have hope now. Because we know that this world is temporary, we can go through life knowing that, okay, this too shall pass. Whatever happens to us, it is well with my soul because I have this promise from Jesus Christ. He said that he's going to prepare a place for you, for you, you, Elijah, even you, Chris. <laughs> yeah, so we have this hope. So what do we do with it? Do we just like, okay, yeah, well, that's, that's cool. No, we need to live like we believe in this future hope. We need to um, live out our daily lives like we, we actually trust and hope for this future eternity with Christ. Um, so when tough times come, because they will, um, I've experienced it, you have experienced it. If not, you probably will. No, you will experience them at some point in time. So how do you, how do you deal with that in light of this future hope? One, know that this pain is temporary. Know that whatever you're going through is temporary and that the pain you are suffering with that trial, with whatever it is that you're going through, that is nothing compared to the promise of Jesus Christ. That is nothing compared to the weight of glory as um, C.S. Lewis he wrote a book about that. But it is nothing compared to the future hope that you will, you will inherit, that you will be a part of. Um, it is temporary. Your pain is not meaningless. God does, doesn't sit up there and like, enjoy messing with his creation. Um, everything that you go through is for a reason. It's for a purpose. It has meaning. It's not meaningless. Um, it is doing something good. Um, you will not always be able to see it. I'm able to see the good that came out of my friend dying. That doesn't happen all of the time. You will encounter things where you don't understand, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Not every time will you get an answer now, but when you get to heaven, you will see the fruits of whatever trial that was. Um, he allows things to happen to you for a reason. You're being built up into the image of Jesus Christ, which I said before is the ultimate good in the universe. There's nothing better that could happen to you than you being built up into the image of Christ. So when things don't go our way, when we encounter trials, um, when we face difficulties, when there are struggles, we can know that there is a purpose behind it, that God loves us, and this is why he is allowing us to go through these things. It is because he loves us that he gives us these trials to test our faith. Um, so just imagine like right now what it would look like if you lived your life, or like even this next week, believing in this hope? What would it look like? What would be different if you live this next week not just acknowledging the future hope, 
but really believing in it. State basing your life off of this future hope. Because I have an eternity with Christ, what happens here, yes, it's important, but ultimately, any pain I deal with, any embarrassment, any ridicule, it's temporary. It's not a big deal. Um, what would it look like if we truly trusted that God knows us and he has a good plan for us? If we truly believed that God's plan was good and that we are being built up into the image of Christ? Um, there's, there's this weird peace that comes with, with understanding that and like holding on to this and grasping this, um, holding it close. There's this weird thing where it's like, my friend died, great. Not great, you understand what I'm saying. My friend died, um, I got a bad grade on this accounting test, uh, my car doesn't work, um, parents are fighting, whatever it is, it is well. It is not saying, you're not just ignoring that, you, say, you face it, okay, I understand this, but because of the future hope that I have in Christ, it is well with my soul. So I will pray, and um, I guess we go to table groups after that. Father God, thank you for this day. Um, thank you for allowing me to speak uh, today. Father, I pray that if there is anything that is not of you, God, that it would be forgotten and thrown out. Lord, um, I pray that everyone here would, would learn to trust you, learn to trust in your plan, learn to trust in your love. And Father, that we would be um, transformed by that. I pray that we would all here um, want to know you more, want to experience more and more of your love, God. Um, again, I thank you for everyone here. Um, I pray that we have a good table groups. I pray for Ryan as he um, is going to preach at the 1030 service. Um, God, I love you. I pray this in your name. Amen.